Um, I don't I don't do this enough when you guys come, but I just wanted to take a minute to honor you guys. You've you've been such a faithful example of what it means to follow Jesus. For those of you who don't know John and Suzanne, they're they're they've um, John serves as um, an elder um, on our on our church board, one who kind of advises from the outside perspective and and also comes and preaches four or five times a year, I'd say, and and uh, has among many other things been been friend and spiritual parents to us and and uh, we're just grateful for you guys um, and just very thankful for you. So love you guys. Um, we also support them financially. If you desire to support them financially, you can talk to them about that. Um, but John, come up. I, I want to give him a hand, but I want to ask him a question. Um, this is this is completely um, spontaneous, so um, you'll have to forgive me for that. But I I kind of want to know. I was thinking about this this morning. We're we're in this series on dwell, gaze, and seek, and we kind of open talking about what it means to dwell like with God, just just resting with Him. And I think one of the things I've admired about you over the years is I feel like. The culture that I grew up in, and you know, the kind of the way God wired me, I was sort of predispositioned with a little bit of I got to go out and do some things for God. And I think one of the things that I've admired about you guys is your willingness to kind of always transition into spaces where you might not know where finances are coming, you might not know where the next like ministry opportunity is you might like you guys have transitioned with with and and I know that that there's been anxiety through that but there but you guys have transitioned with a willingness and a humility to let God redefine seasons in rest you know and so I just I'm curious what is it that has made you so willing to just let God lay the path before you and and just to dwell with him. So I wanted to, uh, you can preach your message, but I want you to answer that question for me. <laughs> well, hopefully my message will, will bring out some of that. Um, you know, I'm just going to, I'm going to speak for myself. Uh, I think I'm speaking for Suzanne as well, but um, I think we've been willing to do the things that we've done because God has shown himself a, a track record of faithfulness that no matter what we've chosen to do, as best as we knew how. I always told people, I, I get up every morning, I want to see if the cloud has moved. If the cloud has moved, I'm following it, no matter where it goes. And that's, quite honestly, it's made, made it hard for some people to follow us because we've moved. <laughs> you know, and, and yet... Uh, as I look back over my shoulder at the at the good old days, um, and they were good, and there's more to come. Um, he's been he's been faithful through it all, and he's always been there. He's always been there. <clears throat> Pardon me, I'm a little weepy this morning for a number of reasons. Um, I told Jordan uh, when I finished putting my uh, message t- together 
the message that I felt like God wanted me to bring you this morning. I, I did have a few extra minutes, and so I hadn't listened to Jordan's message last Sunday. Uh, and so I got a few minutes to, to listen maybe to the first third or so of it. And I thought, huh, I guess God wants to repeat himself. Because <laughs> there's just so much filtered through the message I'm bringing you that was Jordan spoke to you. But uh, as far as I can know and understand, um, God repeats himself in this book a lot. And I think it's because we need to hear it over and over and over again to get it. <clears throat> Many years ago, our daughter went to Kansas City to go through a discipleship program called the Master's Commission. And while she was there, uh, one, of the, one of the books that they had her read was this book right here by, um, by a Catholic priest named Thomas Dubay. And the title of the book is The Evidential Power of Beauty. The Evidential Power of Beauty. Now, Jordan quoted Psalm 27. I, I quote it to you again. He gave you a little bit more background about David's life and what brought him to that point. But he, he did say one thing I seek. You know, David, that was expressing a desire. He said, I desire to dwell in your house. Why? To see your beauty. And to meditate in your temple. There was something that David knew. He knew enough of, about God to know that God was beautiful. And that drew him. The beauty of God drew him. So what is beauty? What is beauty? I want to I just read a little bit uh, what, this, what this man uh, insightfully sees. He says, what is it about a sunrise or a lovely face that triggers delight in most people? Why do these things attract us? Why do we say that a rose is beautiful, but not the perfume made from it? Is beauty in the eye of the beholder, as some people say, or is it a trait found in the object itself? Why is one leaf more appealing than another. Why do some people consider Beethoven's symphonies beautiful while others do not? Do we grow in appreciation of elegance and attractiveness? If so, why and how? Why do mere animals give no hint of enjoying magnificent scenery or of a Shakespearean drama? Why, to continue our questioning, is a paragraph from Chesterton delightful while another equally true from an ordinary writer is not? Why is the discovery of a solution to a scientific problem a sheer joy to a gifted researcher? In the same vein, why did Thomas Aquinas bang the, t the banquet table with his fist and with delight when he suddenly saw the solution to a problem that he'd been pondering? Why is truth? So thrilling to noble minds and hearts. Why, for example, are marine biologists fascinated when viewing a coral under, under, uh, under ultraviolet light, they declare that what they see to be spectacular and glowing with vivid fluorescence. Viewed under ordinary light, 
A knob coral is mundane, but when it's illuminated by ultraviolet light, it pulsates, pulsates with color as if lit from within. The coral absorbs the invisible light and then emits wild orange visible light, a phenomenon that borders on pure magic. What is it about the beautiful that can bewitch and captivate a person and just why does it excite wonder? Dubay goes on to, to define beauty from a number of viewpoints. One, he tries to come at it from culturally and, and say, well, maybe there is something that, that beauty is in the eye of the beholder and attractiveness. There's, there's something about certain people or even certain subjects that attract us and we call that beautiful. But he says classically, uh, really, there's uh, just a few things that, that, that everyone agree make up beauty. He says, <clears throat> through the centuries, what has been taught to us is that the beautiful is that which has unity, harmony, proportion, wholeness, and radiance. Beauty is what has unity, harmony, proportion, wholeness, and radiance. And it's his contention, and I think I agree with him, that there is built within us a desire to experience those things. So that's what beauty does to attract us. Maybe the one thing that, that uh, you might wonder about is radiance. And he defines radiance of the inner being as the chief element of the beautiful. In, in its original sense, beauty is the glow of the true and the good irradiating from every order of being. Um, hope you're not bored with this. Um, He begins to talk about the inspired writers of Scripture and he says the inspired writers were vibrantly alive to the transcendentals, to truth and goodness and beauty. They exult in the radiant splendor of the Lord as seen in His creative artistry and His mighty interventions in their salvation history. The Psalter alone invites us to muse on His wonders, to sing for joy in His presence, to marvel at His tender providential care in our lives, to bless Him continually, to thirst and pine for Him, to praise Him forever, to recount His wonders, to exult in His goodness, even to dance for joy before Him. The original recipients of divine revelation were so struck but what they had heard and seen that they were beside themselves to express what was and what is beyond human words. This inexpressibility of divine beauty we must explore. He goes on to say that everything that we know about God speaks of beauty, this kind of beauty. And then he says that God is super poker. He is super beautiful. He is super beautiful. And this is what scripture calls. His glory. 
That's what David was seeking. And I think it is built into each one of us a desire to seek that as well. There's something about beauty, about the beauty of the Lord that draws us to dwell with Him. But I, I, I think that there's a precursor that I want to mention today and talk about for a few minutes today, a precursor to our desire to dwell with Him. And I, I see it brought out twice in the book of Ephesians. Quick recap. Ephesians, Paul starts out to enumerate to us that we have every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. He talks about in love that we were adopted, that we were called out. He says, he says that we were redeemed, we were forgiven of all of our sins and that we've been placed into a place of inheritance with the down payment of the Holy Spirit. That launches him into a prayer which Jordan briefly referred to a phrase that the eyes of our heart would be enlightened so that we would come to have a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And that we would know three things. The riches of His glorious inheritance, the hope of our calling, and the, and the surpassing greatness of His power, which raised Jesus from the dead and ascended Him to the right hand of the Father. Fall above, far above all rule and power and authority and dominion and above every name that's named. <clears throat> and then Paul goes back. <clears throat> Excuse me. He goes back. <clears throat> I'm going to need some water. Sorry. And I don't have any. <clears throat> he, uh, <clears throat> he goes back and reminds us of who we were. Apart from God. We were under the power of the prince of the air. That means before you came to know Jesus. You were controlled by Satan. If you had tried to convince me of that. Before. It would have been very, very difficult to do. Thank you, Andrea. <clears throat> yeah, I was too. <clears throat> In chapter 2 of Ephesians, Paul reminds us of who we were before we came to God. That we were under the power of the prince of the power of the air. If you tried to convince me before I was saved that I was under the power of the enemy... There's under the power of devil. You know, I would probably agree with you. I did some devilish things. <laughs> but to be under his power. And yet, God saved us by his grace through faith. And put us into a place of working out these wonderful things that he's planned for us before the foundation of the world. And that not only did he do that, but he joined us together as Gentiles, at least most of us. Some of you may have Jewish roots. But he joined us together with the Jews to make one new man. And then he begins to talk about how that works itself out. And you can pull up the end of Ephesians chapter 2. Verses 19. And, so then you're no longer strangers and aliens, but you're fellow citizens with the saints. You're of God's household. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the, the cornerstone, in whom the whole building being fitted together is growing into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are being built together into a dwelling place of God in the Spirit. What precedes us dwelling with God is God dwelling with us. It's always been God's intention to dwell with His people. 
when he told Moses to build the, the tabernacle at the, at the in Genesis, uh, in Exodus 29, he said, I want you to build the tabernacle because I want to come and dwell with my people and be their God. And then in Revelation 21, it goes on, it goes on to say that, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is among men, and He will dwell among them. And they shall be His people, and God Himself will be among them. It's always been God's desire to dwell among His people. That precedes us dwelling with Him. I mean, can you, can you even fathom the God of the universe Outside of eternity, creating beginnings of different things and that would want to come and dwell with you. He would want to come and dwell in our midst. Paul goes on to bring this up again in just a few verses later. He, he actually starts, that's the end of chapter 2. He starts chapter 3 with, for this reason. For what reason? For the reason that God is in the process of building us as His dwelling place. For this reason, I, Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles. And then he goes on a holy distraction. And for the next several verses, he talks about his ministry to the, to the Gentiles. But then in verse 14, he comes back to for this reason. He gets distracted. And then he comes back. Okay, it's, it's a distraction we need to know about. But he comes back to verse 14. And bring up 3.14. For this reason, he says again, I bow my knees before the Father, in whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. That he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, his beauty, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in the inner man, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and that you being rooted and grounded in love. May be able to comprehend with all the saints. What is the breadth and length and height and depth. And to know the love of Christ which surpasses knowledge. That you may be filled up to all of the fullness of God. What is he getting at here? What is he getting at? He prays a prayer in chapter 3, verse 14, that connects with chapter 2, verse 22. For this reason, I pray that you might have Christ to dwell in your heart. How does that come about? By being strengthened with the power of the Holy Spirit in your inner man. In your inner person. Down deep in your spirit. There is a strengthening that the Holy Spirit wants to create and, 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 and magnify in your life. So that you will be strong. Why? So that Christ would dwell in your heart. Oh, wait a minute. Christ dwell in your heart. I thought he was writing to Christians. How can he say, and he says in Romans, that if you don't have the Spirit, you're not a, you're not a believer. If you're saved, you've got the Spirit. How is it that in Ephesians 3, in this prayer, he's praying for believers that Christ might dwell in their heart? I thought Christ was dwelling in their heart. Do you see kind of the little bit of the confusion there? Well, I think it 
all revolves around what, is, what does it mean for Christ to dwell in your heart. You see, it takes God the Spirit to open us to dwell with God the Son that we might be brought to the fullness of God the Father. It takes God the Spirit to open us to the indwelling of God the Son who will bring us to and show us God the Father. He says, no man comes to the Father except by me. What does it mean for someone or something to dwell? The word actually means to sit down with, to be together with. Not visit, not come and go, but to dwell, to live constantly and continually. How is it that Jesus comes to dwell? With us. Constantly. And continually. By the power of the Holy Spirit. Down deep inside of us. I've got to have the Spirit. To experience His indwelling. All of the time. See the Spirit reminds me. When I go to Target. And I walk through the front door. That Jesus dwells in me. And when he reminds me that Jesus dwells in me and that I carry the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ in this earthen vessel, then I'm walking in and I'm saying, God, what are you doing here? I want to partner with you. Maybe you don't go to Target. He's other places too. One of the great activities of the Spirit is to strengthen us with power. Power for a number of different reasons. But I believe it's primarily to strengthen us so that Christ might dwell in us. He wants to. He doesn't want to be an occasional visitor. He wants to come and dwell. 24-7. And that we be aware of that indwelling. Without that power, I don't know, I guess we'd explode or implode one or the other. Again, we have to have God the Spirit to have God the Son to experience God the Father. You see, I think this indwelling of Christ in our hearts is the is the thing that gives us the desire to want to behold His beauty. It gives us tastes of God in such a way that I want more. That I want more. And going back to that verse, and Jordan again referred to it this morning, 
I'm sure he did last week as well. Back to Ephesians 2.22 is that together as a community we are being built together as a dwelling place of God. We're being built. That means it's a process. We're in the process of being built as a place where God comes to dwell. But I believe it's a process we've got to pursue. It's a process that we've got to be so aware of, consciously aware of, is that when you walk in here, you along with everyone else and everyone else that's part of this community, you are being built together as a dwelling place of God. And if you're part of that building, then go ahead and rejoice that you're a board and not electrical wiring. That you're sheetrock. And not the plumbing. Or to use Peter's illustration, we are stones being put together as a, as a, as a temple for the Lord. That, that you don't have to be the same shape as the person you're sitting next to. That as you present yourself to the Lord, He will chisel you down to how you need to fit into this, into this temple, into this tabernacle of God. We, per, we pursue the process individually. That Christ would come to dwell in my heart by faith. I pursue that individually in order to be part of the pursuit corporately. It's the invitation of God. We're created for the purpose of experiencing the beauty of God. The interesting thing about that word in the Hebrew language in Psalm 27 is that it really is the word for delight. David, David said, I want to behold the beauty of the Lord, but I know that that will bring me delight. It's the delight of God. It's the delight of God. Have you ever experienced that? Have you ever experienced... You know, a, a, a delight to the extreme could be called ecstasy. And what ecstasy is, it's a combination of two words. Ecstasis. That means to stand out or stand apart. And what, what it means is, is that I become, I start to behold the Lord and I come out of myself and I am drawn into Him. Ecstasis, to stand apart and be drawn into Him. Will you see Him as delight? Will you see Him as beautiful? Will you see Him, to use another word from Scripture, when I believe it was a, a pre-incarnate manifestation of Jesus to the, to the parents of Samson, and they, and they asked this person, what is your name? And he said, why do you ask my name since my name is wonderful? Since my name is inexpressible. Since, since it, it, it's, it, it would be 
it would be almost impossible for you to understand. But the vastness of that we have already stepped into. Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah. Yeshua, God is salvation. Emmanuel, He is with us, God with us. Just the immensity of that. The immensity of it. And, and beholding Him and dwelling with Him is possible because He wants to dwell with us. Just like we love because He first loved, we dwell because He first dwelt. It's an amazing, amazing experience. Amazing experience. And as we pursue this process, we are being built together. As you, as you walk in to a gathering like this, or if it's in homes, or wherever, wherever you gather together with believers, as you walk in there to be cognizant of the fact that I'm bringing God to this place. In all humility, in all humility. But I need to recognize who I am and what I carry. Quite frankly, I think too many Christians have been wimps. I do. <clears throat> I'm going to end. I'm not, I'm not jumping to an entirely different. So I'm going to end with a word that God gave me for 2022. Um, I usually sit down with the Lord either New Year's Eve or New Year's Day as, as the new year comes. And I ask him, is there anything you want to tell me about the coming year? And often he will give me words. Sometimes he doesn't. And occasionally he'll say, same as last year. <laughs> like you didn't get it, so same as last year. <laughs> Overs. <laughs> but this year uh, on New Year's Eve, I sat down with him late New Year's Eve, and I just sat before the Lord. There, there's, a, there's a verse in 2 Samuel 7. Nathan the prophet has just come prophetically, and he has declared to David the, what we call the Davidic covenant. That David is going is to have descendants that sit on the throne of Israel forever. It's a, it's a messianic prophecy. And, and David... And David, it said, then David went in and sat before the Lord. He sat just to, just to take all in what had just been prophesied to him. He sat before the Lord. So, New Year's Eve, I went in and I sat before the Lord. And I, and I began just thanking, thanking him for the covenant that I'm part of. The new covenant that I'm part of. And then I just sat in silence. Babe, can you look in my briefcase and get my phone? I think I stuck it in there. Uh, yeah, the big part there. Is it in there? No? Hmm. Okay. I'm going to have to paraphrase then. <clears throat> so as I'm sitting there in silence, I'm thrown into a vision. And in the vision, there's this huge banquet table. This huge banquet table. And stretched out across the banquet table. Is a banner. And repeated all the way across the banner. Thank you. Is a pattern. Repeated all across the banner. 
And there are a bunch of people all around the edges of the banner and they're repairing the banner. They're re-sewing torn edges. They're taking off the smudges where it's been smudged. They're unrolling part of the edges of the banner. And they're, they're repairing this banner. And I knew that I had seen the emblem that was repeated on this, on this banner before. But in the vision, I couldn't remember what it was. And so I, I just kept musing on that. And then, let me get to it. And then the Lord said to me, I am restoring the belief in and the embracing of royalty in my house and among my children. They are princes and princesses. You, John, are a prince. You must act like who you are. Yes, you have access to me, the king, for I am your father. But you must act not snobbishly, not better than others, not aristocratically, but act as a responsible steward of my kingdom. You can access my resources within limits. You can command within limits. You can represent me, but always remember that you are royalty. Remain humble. But walk in royalty. And so I began to muse on those words. I began to meditate on those words. And what I did is I imagined myself as a prince. Living in the castle with my father the king. And I started to think. Well if I'm a loyal and loving son. To my father the king. What would characterize my life? And it, what, what ended up coming to me. Were five P's. Five P's. Those that you like alliteration, here it comes. The first one is, I would have position. I wouldn't have to jockey for position. I wouldn't have to do things for position. I would already have it. I'm the prince. I'm the son of the king. The second thing is, is I have provision. All of the resources of my father are for me, available to me. Third, I have protection. My father and all of his armies will protect me. The fourth thing I have is I have a purpose. And that purpose is to carry out his purpose. As a loyal son. And the fifth P is posterity. I am expected to reproduce. Position. Provision. Protection. Purpose and posterity. So I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about all of these things. And then I thought, you know, I'm going to Google this, this emblem. I want to see what the Lord showed me before he gave me the word about royalty. And what I found was, is this emblem that I saw, I found it pretty quickly. It's called the Royal Banner of the Royal Arms of Scotland. I'm a Wallace. I'm from Scotland. So it meant a lot to me. It's commonly known as the lion rampant of Scotland. The word rampant means an animal that is reared up on its hind legs with its claws extended. And this picture is a side view of a lion reared up on its hind legs and its claws are extended. And I saw this emblem repeated all over this banner. 
All right. So then as I read on, it says this, quote, its correct use nowadays is restricted by an act of the Parliament of Scotland to only a few great officers of state who officially represent the monarchy in Scotland. The only people that can carry this banner are the people who are authorized to represent the monarchy. I saw that before I got the word about royalty. So the Lord has impressed me that everywhere I go this year, I'm to tell you that you're royalty. You're a prince and you're a princess. Act like it. Act like who you are. And I'm to give this because it's going to be challenged this year in 2022. And you're going to have to remain firm in your belief and in your activity out of that. And then the final thing I want to say is, is that as you interact with others, see them as royalty too. Treat them like royalty. Jordan, the, the things that Suzanne and I have done through the years have been because of this. It's because of the, the, the greatest desire of my, of my life is the presence of God. I want more of it. I want to experience it. I want others to experience it. I want to facilitate in any way, form, or fashion that I can that others experience the presence. I want others to know that they already hear God. Jordan gave me the title of my newest book about hearing God. He said, you need to call it You Already Hear God. I can't tell you how many people have already told me what a wonderful title that is. You already hear God. You do. You just attribute it to something else. You think, oh, that was just me. Or maybe you do miss it. He's talking and you, you know. He's talking and maybe you miss it because you're talking too much. And the third thing is he's supernatural. All of my books that I've written are sprinkled with stories, with supernatural stories. Why? Because I want believers to believe. I want believers to believe that he's still doing the stuff that we read about in the scriptures. The presence of God, the speaking God, the communicating God, and the supernatural God. That's the one I've been following. Let me pray. Oh Lord, to see your beauty. To see your beauty, Lord. May we always, all, all, always hunger and thirst after that. And Lord, may you give us enough tastes to keep us going. Give us enough tastes uh, that we want more. Lord, show us your 
definition of beauty. Keep us on track with that. And how can we thank you enough for your desire to dwell with us? Lord, you know that with 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 King David, I, I regularly say, who am I and what is my house that you've brought me this far? Who are we, Lord, that you would choose to come and dwell with us? And yet you have. We just want to experience your fullness. Experience your fullness. And thank you, Lord, that you have made us princes and princesses. Hmm. What a father we have. We bless you. We praise you. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You can come and grab the elements we're going to receive together. Lord, every time we take these elements, we are reminded again that you're God with us. Fully human, fully divine, and yet you sacrificed. Yourself for us. Lord again today. As we take this bread. This body broken for us. As we drink this cup. The new covenant of your blood. We celebrate you. We celebrate you. We celebrate what you've done. And we celebrate your coming. So let's take the bread and the cup. Amen. Man. John, that was an incredible word. Um, we need to bring back the language of royalty. I just really, really resonate with that. Um, to be humble servants, and but royalty as well. Thank you for that. Whole whole message was really good. Um, yeah, I don't I nothing else to say. <laughs> Who's doing the closing prayer? I think that's probably. Do what? Okay. Oh, camp out announcement. Tell me the date again. 25th and 20, 25th and 26th. It's a Friday and Saturday. Going to do a camp out of February. Not. <laughs> it was a Friday and Saturday. We're going to 
probably have some a little bit of worship, a little bit of prayer, and um, some food, a lot of fun, and it's just one night, it's, and it's um, an hour from, maybe an hour and ten minutes from here, so it, it's, it'll, be, it'll be a lot of fun. And you can RSVP on our website. We we send out messages like crazy to please let you know inform everybody. But please, we actually do need RSVP because we will have some food elements to that too as well. So let's just let's just close. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And where there is sadness, joy. O Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive, it is in pardoning that we are pardoned, and it is in dying that we are born to eternal life. Amen. You are dismissed.